Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, we're here once again at the corner of Truth and Courage. We're going to take a look at Afghanistan and what's going on over there. And I want to try to bring some understanding as to some of the players that are involved there and why we're facing this difficult task why it is that you know we uh, in the west have never succeeded in trying to bring some peace and tranquility out there you need to realize afghanistan has been in war with each other civil war for you know it seems like a century and others have tried to you know the russians have tried to come in and try to make uh, some sense out of there and bring some order and, and stuff and they fail we tried 20-year war it's failed and we've got about what 1500 now americans still trying to get out and there are a lot of different factions there there's there's a lack of law and order even though the taliban is largely the ruling force there there's other groups that they've been embattling each other for a long time and now you have this group that has pledged their loyalty to ISIS back when al-Baghdadi was the caliph and the new caliphate, the Islamic State, was trying to be formed in 2015. They still have loyal followers uh, to that group, a faction of Islamic terrorism going on there. And they've been embattling against the Taliban and taking every opportunity to try to kill Americans. After all, we've been fighting them. We've killed three of their leaders of ISIS-K, the group that's involved out there. I've been trying to, as best as I can discern, to see if there's any Shia organizations going on there because um, the area of ISIS-K, it actually is up in Persia, and Persia is where our Shiites are at. Let me explain if you don't know. What's the difference between a Sunni Muslim and a Shiite Muslim? And then I want to get into why it is that these people of this religion, this faith, are always fighting. Where do they get this from? And we'll go to the Islamic scriptures to help you understand that. But um, <clears throat> the Sunnis and the Shiites are... Uh, they've been fighting with each other for 1,400 years. And how it got started, when Muhammad had died, he had not left them with instructions of who was going to succeed him. It was almost, though, a given thing that uh, Abu, his best friend, was going to follow him. So it was left to whatever Allah's will was going to be. Now, Abu was not his relative. He wasn't related. He didn't have a bloodline to the prophet. And then when he had died, uh, then we had another follower and then Uthman. The first three uh, caliphs, I'm doing this from memory for some reason. I'm just drawing a blank here on all my names. Forgive me. But the three were not related to Muhammad, but there is a growing faction out there saying that, no, in order for us to have a true successor, 
you must be from the bloodline of Muhammad. And so they wanted to bring in the cousin of Muhammad, Ali. Now, Muhammad had no male children. He had all these wives and concubines and yet produced only one daughter, uh, Fatima, or Fatima, depends how you want to pronounce it. And so uh, it was obvious that the closest relative who was capable, uh, who was related to Muhammad by blood, was Ali. And so a group known as the Shiites, who followed this reasoning, this thinking, killed Uthman, stabbed him in order to bring in Ali. And then two years later, the Sunnis, the other group, and the Sunnis basically follow whatever Allah's will is. Uh, You know, we're not following uh, the traditions of men of going to like a king and, and passing down to the children. No, we're trying to follow whatever God's will is, whoever Allah wills. And so actually, the truth to be known, the Sunnis are following more the, uh, the true teachings of Muhammad than the Shiites, but that's a mute point, actually. And so, uh, so two years later, the Sunnis rose up and stabbed and killed Ali. And so this fighting began all the way back then, within 20 years of Muhammad's death, uh, they've been fighting each other. And they still fight each other today. They keep declaring each other mushkaroons or uh, polytheists or infidels or whatever. And, and then they go fighting each other. But ISIS is mainly primarily a Sunni organization, the Sunnis, which is about 85% of the Muslims in the world. Now, the Shiites and the Sunnis both have fundamentalist terrorist organizations. You can't say that one group is where all the terrorists are at. Now, the Sunnis, because they're so large in number, we have a lot more terrorist organizations that are Sunnis. But we have a great deal of Sunnis out there that are moderates, are reformed, and and so on there. Let me explain this. There are two Islams. I used to not see it that way. Back, you know, 20 years ago when I started dealing with the issues of Islam, I would disagree with anyone who would suggest that there were different types of Islam. Uh, you say, no, there's only really one Islam. And no, but I've come to discover there are two Islams. Like I, I would admit there are two Christianities. There's the real and the fake. And the same thing's true about Islam, the real and the fake. Now you can tell which one's the real and which one's the fake. The real will always follow the founder and the scriptures. So in real Christianity, those who are following the Bible and not the doctrines of men and following only the doctrines of Jesus Christ, that's real Christianity. But there are those out there who are preaching doctrines that are church dogmas and and so on there. And they're not Bible. They're, They're church. So they're following doctrines of men. And the same thing's true in Islam. There's the real and the fake. The real follows Muhammad, the prophet, and the real follows the Quran. The Quran are the words of their God, Allah. And there's 114 chapters, and you can read clearly what Allah has said according to the Quran. Then you can also read what Muhammad said and did. These are found in the Hadiths. 
And about 700 years after Muhammad's death, there were four schools of Islamic interpretation. They came together in a major meeting, and they hashed out their differences, and they said, you know what, we pretty much agree 80% of the time on the same things, and we differ about 20%. And they wrote a book called The Reliance of the Traveler, and this became the handbook of the Sharia law. Because a Muslim is on a pilgrimage, and he is on a journey. And in that, the reliance of the traveler, which we call the Sharia, gives us the consensus of teachings that the Muslims in the world, whether you're Shiite or Sunni, what they believe the Quran teaches and what Muhammad taught. And so let me read to you out of it, and you can understand why the Taliban, why these groups are fighting us here in America, why they're trying to kill anyone who is preaching or teaching anything outside of Islam, and they war with us. It's called jihad. And in this Reliance of the Traveler, and you can get a copy of the book yourself. They're around $40, $50 online. You can get them. Now, if you want to save yourself some money and want to get to the nitty-gritty of the stuff, then get a copy of my book, Refuting Islam, because that book is, I quote, every dirty, nasty teaching that Muslims are, are supposed to be practicing and following that they don't want the world to know. And in it, I quote all these things and I explain and I take it into the context. I go to great efforts to explain the context of these passages there. So, you know, and that book is available at Amazon. Is simply called Refuting Islam. We don't have any more copies of it. There. We're, we're out of print of our copies, but it's still available at Amazon. So let me read to you what, what the Sharia says on this subject of jihad. The, the real Islam, the, as I said, there's two Islams. There's the real and the fake. And the Taliban and ISIS and all these militant people out there, they're following the real Islam. The peaceful Muslims that are largely here in the West. We're thankful that they're following a kind of a watered-down version, a reformed version. They don't follow the, the violence and, and these dictates. They, their imams won't teach these things to them. But out in the Middle East, this is what is clearly being taught. Jihad means war against non-Muslims. It is etymologically derived from the word mujahada signifying warfare to establish the religion. And then it will quote, in every law, they will quote their God, Allah, they'll quote the Quran, and then they'll quote the prophet, so that you know this is a clear teaching for any Muslim. So jihad means to war against non-Muslims. So Wake up if, you, if you're not aware of this. If you're not, then this is the day that you should wake up to this. Islam declared war on you 1,400 years ago. Muslims are to fight non-Muslims to establish the religion, the true religion, Islam. And it quotes the Quran, uh, uh, Surah 216. Fighting is prescribed for you. Surah 489. Slay them wherever you find them. Surah 9, 36, finding the idolaters utterly. 
Then it quotes the prophet. If you didn't understand what God had to say, then understand what the prophet Muhammad said. I have been commanded to fight people until they testify that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and perform the prayer and pay zakah, which is their, their tithing. If they say it, in other words, if you say the, uh, if you make the confession, which is uh, the shahada, that there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet, uh, that they're going to fight you until you submit to saying that. And when you do that, you become a Muslim. Then you start saying the prayers to Allah. You pay zakah, your, your tithes, and so on there. If they say it, they have saved their blood and possessions from me. And so, in other words, if they say it, then we won't kill you and we won't take your stuff. But if you won't yield to that, then I have the right to take your life. And so this is the understanding of real Islam. And the Islamic world has been going for the last 70 years into a revival of fundamentalism. The Ottoman Empire came to a close in the 1920s. It gave the fundamentalists the opportunity to regain the Islamic uh, world. And they have been doing this for the last 70 years. And this is why there's a mass exodus of Muslims trying to get out of the Middle East because the average Muslim uh, is moderate to non-practicing reform. But as the fundamentalism is growing in their community, they're saying, if this is the real Islam, we want nothing of it and we're trying to get away. And that's, so there's millions of them who have been moving here to the West. And that creates problems for us here in the West because the problem is they can't tend to bring Islam with them, even though they're trying to get away from it, they can't help themselves because they've been so indoctrinated into it, even if they are reformed or moderate. Well, we're going to have to stop there, but I got more to talk to you about this on the subject in tomorrow's broadcast. So I hope you join us. God bless you.